Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the paddocks. We are just coming down from an exciting race this weekend with Danny back on the grid and some interesting moments between our drivers. So I am excited for the girls to jump into today's recap. On the episode, we have Amy, Drea, Casey, Meg, and myself, Chelsea. And I'm going to pass it off to Casey, who's actually going to start us off with the recap with practice races on Friday. So we started off this weekend uh, with a bang, quite literally, as Checo uh, kind of bended into the wall right around turn five at the start of his first flying lap, about four minutes into FP1. And one of the best parts is I saw a clip of the Arabic broadcast where the commentators are like, oh, welcome back, Daniel. Good to see Daniel again. And then immediately pans the footage of Checo in the wall. So I thought that was, you know, cinematic masterpiece right there. We had a lot of spins and slips uh, with the wet weather for that practice session. And Carlos got stuck on the curb with like the wheel spinning. So he actually had to have the marshals like push him back on track. And then... You know, of course, we have Sassy Lando uh, radio messages, him saying, wouldn't say I agree, but I'm happy to box. So you always know that if there's a Lando radio message popping up, you know, it'll be a bit interesting. Now, on to FP2. So th- the there was actually footage of a kid who just started bawling as soon as Checo crashed. And so Red Bull actually invited him into the garage to meet Checo during FP2. So the kid got to meet Checo, which was kind of cool. But all the teams who, they didn't really get to run much of their plan in FP1 because of the weather. So it was a lot of scrambling to get all of the full race runs and quali runs done in an hour. And there was an interesting, um, I guess, graphic that came up where it says that Yuki was actually breaking about 10 meters later than Danny Rick during turn one, which is kind of a fun fact is kind of Danny Rick is known as, you know, the latest of the late breakers. So hopefully, like, as he gets more used to the Alpha Tori and kind of how that car works, perhaps we'll see him really bring it to Yuki. And then also news that the Hungary Grand Prix will actually remain on the calendar until 2032. So this race is not going anywhere. And then on to qualifying. This qualifying session was actually... The first qualifying session with the new tire kind of allocation, where you're only allowed to use hards in Q1, mediums in Q2, and softs in Q3. And I really think that helped make it one of the more spicier qualifying sessions that we've seen. So Q1, kind of return of the track limits violations. It seems like everyone was getting laps deleted left and right yet again. And even Charles was getting frustrated with everything going on with all the backup of traffic and everything saying, let's stay calm, but come on. So if he's getting frustrated on the radio, you know, it's really crazy. Now, the one thing out of Q1 for me that I did not have on my Formula One bingo card was Zhou Guan Yu topping Q1 at one point. That was something that I quite literally had to pick my jaw up off the floor for because I just really did not see that one coming this weekend. That was not something any of us predicted, that's for sure. It was also great to see both Alphas make it into Q2, even though unfortunately poor George Russell did not make it out of Q1. Uh, He was stuck in 18th. But Q2 was just equally as exciting, as Charles actually knocked out his teammate Carlos, who lost out on Q3 by two hundredths of a second. So it was extremely close between who kind of made it and who didn't make it into Q3. And now with Carlos out in Q2, Fernando is now the only driver out of everyone to have made it into Q3 for every race so far this year. Really loving the quality format, and it's 
Q3 got even crazier. I have to agree. I really do like the new quality format. I think kept things interesting for us. I mean, you get Danny's first race back and he's out qualifying his teammate. Finally get Checo back in, into Q3 for like after I don't even know how many races at this point. I just think that this new format really kept everybody on a little bit more of a level playing field almost is what it felt like. But I just think it's something that I want to see if they start implementing at other tracks. I don't know if they have plans to bring it to other tracks further on in the season. So I'm really excited to see which tracks those are in particular and just kind of see how that varies of if it keeps it a level playing field at every track that they bring this to, or is it really just this one race? Yes, I believe they are also going to try this format out in Monza. So we will see it after the summer break, how it turns out at Monza, which I'm actually pretty excited for because like Casey and Amy have said, I do like this new quality format because like they both said, it levels the playing field a little bit because different cars react to different tires a certain way. And seeing George out in Q1 was definitely interesting. Although my personal opinion, and I'm sure some of the girls would agree with me, is the Mercedes strategist did not put him out at the right time. And so he was not able to make a banker lap to keep him in it. And then unfortunately was not able to make it out of Q1. Now, I know we all have our own little F1 bingo cards for the season, but I don't think anybody had Mercedes pulling a Ferrari on their bingo card because that's really what that strategy call was. That was a complete and utter Ferrari level move. I don't think we've seen a strategy call like that from them in a really long time. I honestly can't even remember the last time I saw them make such a questionable decision. And also... If you noticed, all of the cars are bunching up really, really close together, kind of at the very, very end, like right before everyone went on their last flyer. And apparently there's some sort of like gentleman's agreement that, oh, you know, you keep your position, you don't let anyone pass. But that was out the window as, you know, I think it was like Lando and a couple others would just like jump in the queue. And of course, George being the English gentleman that he is just kind of stayed put. And so that also kind of led to him just not getting a good start to that lap because of the chaos of too many very large cars and not enough space, all trying to get a good start to the lap. So it was just, everything just went wrong. <laughs> I, for one, think that gentlemen's agreements and Formula One should not go in the same sentence. I just feel like it's a disaster waiting to happen because no one's ever going to consistently stick to it. It's just, it, you're just asking for somebody to basically make a, quote, dick move. Because you're assuming that everyone's going to follow this gentleman's agreement. It just, it's just such a questionable decision. I just don't understand the point of having a gentleman's agreement in sport, period. I just, it's not something that I think you can bank on. I mean, I for one am glad Lando did not follow the gentleman's agreement because it put him through to Q2 and then later to Q3 as Lando's my guy, so I can't really complain about that. But he also had to do what he had to do for himself and the team. And I think that's where the gentleman's agreement just goes out the windows. You need to focus on yourself and the team at that point. And it doesn't really matter about anyone else or what they are doing. I mean, 
if I were in the car, I honestly wouldn't follow the gentleman's rule at that point. If I was on the line from making it into the next qualifying session, I would do whatever I had to do to put it into the next session. But that's just me. But back to Lando, hearing him be disappointed in a P3 result was honestly not what I was expecting because I, I mean, I thought he had the chance to be on pole and I think the announcers did as well. But after the way McLaren had been performing at the beginning of the season up until about Austria, I would take anything, honestly, in the top five at this point. But he did get over it and he was saying how people needed to stop telling him that he could win the race from P3 because statistically more people who have started from P3 win that race. But it's hard when Max is in front of you. But yeah, and also Oscar starting P4. Incredible. I have to say, I couldn't help but kind of giggle when that came over the radio because I'm like, you went from being back of the pack, basically, literally doing, what, seven pit stops at the beginning of the season just to keep the car alive, and now you're in P3. Bro, count your blessings and pray to the Formula One gods. Just don't complain. Let it happen. It's going to be what it's going to be. But I just, I couldn't help but laugh at that one, honestly, man. What got me was after qualifying and Max didn't get pull. And so somebody goes, Max, how do you feel about being second? Like, that's going to be really hard to overtake and win. And he goes, uh, I was 10th last year and won. I don't think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> so he's definitely relying on his skill, not the F1 gods. And he it, he's here to tell everyone it's his skill. He can do it. He doesn't care where he starts. Speaking of pole position... I was on the edge of my seat while Lewis, Max, and Lando were all putting in their last laps. And seeing Lewis take pole for the first time in a long time, and it's also his ninth pole position at Hungary, that was incredible. I was so happy for him and so happy that someone finally, other than Max, took pole position. Although deep down in my heart, I knew that it wasn't going to last very long and inevitably what happened happened but just to see a little variation was very nice i think my favorite thing about lewis getting pull is that for a lot of people that's the first time they've ever heard the phrase get in there lewis or, ha or hammer time like a lot of people who are newer formula one fans never got to experience that and for fans like myself and others who watched lewis's domination for years honestly really refreshing to hear a good old get in there lewis from bono it just gives you goosebumps but it's kind of funny to think about the fact that there are a whole host of fans never experienced that i am definitely one of them i believe the last time lewis got pole was like 2021 and so yeah i joined when mercedes was like struggling i think the the first like race I watched was Brazil and that was like the one off for for George and I was like okay they seem not bad and then looking back at the rest of the season it's like oh that happened so it's kind of fun seeing what everyone talks about from like the Lewis era actually you know watching it live so that's been kind of cool from the Lewis era Lewis used to always say oh I wish there were more people at the front I wish there were more people I can race with and I'm pretty sure he's regretting those words a little bit, especially with Red Bull and Max at the moment. 
because now he sometimes is struggling to be at the front. Like, I'm glad Mercedes had some upgrades or whatever they did that he's finally up there again. I swear some of these Formula One drivers love to jinx themselves. Lewis, Fernando, I mean, things are going great. They always get a little too big for their boots and just decide that they're going to jinx themselves because now Lewis can barely keep up. And Fernando went from saying, oh, this is the last time you're not going to see an Aston Martin on the podium. And here we are. I, I don't know what's up with these guys, but they need some help, man, <laughs> when it comes to the universe, it seems. Maybe they do, but I think the pre-race stuff helps with their confidence. Like before the race and before the formation lap, Christian and Helmet went up to Danny and like wished him luck and went to the car and gave him a head tap and stuff. So that was really sweet to see that even though he's at AlphaTauri, they still came by to see him for his first race back. I also love that while doing that, he is the gentleman that he is and takes the gloves off so that he can give somebody a proper handshake. He's not like giving you a handshake with your driving glove on. But my personal favorite pre-race thing that I oh, we always get to see is the driver's parade. And if you paid attention to this one in particular, Danny is constantly like looking for Max. They're just, they're joined at the hip and it's the cutest little thing. But if you watch while the driving driver's parade is going on, you'll always notice like who's with their friends, the little clicky groups that are within the grid of who gets along with who. It's always kind of fun to just see Who's going to hang out with each other while they're getting driven around the track if they're on a big vehicle altogether? Also, before the race, did anyone else see Terry Crews down in the pit lane? Yeah, I, I love Terry Crews. He's so funny. I like how he like him on America's Got Talent. I know that's nothing to do with Formula One, but and in the movie White Chicks, like I love that guy. He's so funny. And how he can actually play the flute and he's like a professional like flautist. It's pretty impressive. And I believe Michael Strahan was also in the pit lane as well. And Terry was with Red Bull and Michael was with McLaren. So it's very interesting to see those two down in the pit lane. Speaking of people in the garages to now being on the starting line, right as it was lights out and away we go. Before they even got to the first official turn, there was already a changeup in grid positions because the McLarens were gunning for spots. Both of them ended up overtaking a Mercedes. Wild, when we have just been calling McLarens McTractors, to be honest, we were at the beginning of the season. And so that happened. And then they were able to hold their own for quite a while. Like the gap was relatively small between them and Max at the beginning compared to some people have, have been letting him go for like 10 seconds straight off the bat. He really was within five seconds at the start. And then the first lap incident did reshuffle the grid while they're on different tire strategies. So we're going to talk about how that changed things up a bit. So Joe decided to take after his teammate and he went bowling into turn one. Uh, so he hit, I think he had um, he, like anti-stall at the beginning which led to a horrible start. And then he hit the back of Daniel, who that shoved him into Esteban, which shoved him into Pierre, which led to just both Alpines spinning out and hitting each other and just absolute kind of chaos into that turn one. 
Unfortunately, this caused both of the Alpines to DNF, and this would be their second double DNF in a row. So things are not looking good for the French right now. Apparently Esteban's seat cracked or broke during that collision. Thankfully he's okay, but it's just crazy to think that a part that seemingly seems incredibly strong could just break in the middle of a race. Joe was given a uh, five-second penalty for causing the collision, but like that wouldn't have done much because he was already way, way back in the grid, especially as someone who started in P5. I think he went all the way back to P16, so that's a, that's a rough start. On the opposite side, some people who had some great starts were Carlos, George, Yuki, and Lance. They both made up like five positions, gaining several places. Three of them were on softs, which definitely helped, but huge switch up on the grid, just on like lap one or two before we even had DRS. And then right as they're starting to realize that, okay, softs need to be pitting about now because their tires are about to go out. Their pit stops were everywhere, to be honest. Like usually a good pit stop is a little over two seconds. Yuki was over seven seconds, which is kind of long in their terms but then zoe and charles had almost a 10 second pit stop and those are also the two that ended up with penalties so their race was already not looking good from the start and then i don't know if the pit crews were already overheated with those because then we had on the other hand lando with a 2.1 second pit stop which is a great time, probably how he ended up on podium because he had a 2.1 and a 2.3. And then Checo had a 1.9 second pit stop. I'm not sure if that's officially a record yet, but it should be because Red Bull is killing it with these pit stops. And that's very fast, even by F1 standards. Yeah. So like Charles had this awful like 9.4 second pit stop and it just didn't get better because he locked up when entering the pit lane. And unfortunately, that means he entered the pit lane about 0.7 miles per hour, kilometers per hour over the the pit lane speed limit, which means five second penalty for him. So a super long pit stop plus a five second penalty, like things were just not in his favor. Things were not in his favor, but somebody who took their fate in their own hands. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Carlos is his own race engineer. Ferrari Y'all need to step it up because at this point, Carlos is doing everything. And I need Charles to have some of that energy of just taking it to his own hands, like not listening as much to every single thing Ferrari tells him. Because Carlos said, I'll pit if Checo is going to pass me. Because at that point, Carlos was still on soft tires. He's only went on softs by lap 16. So he's like, if Checo passes me, I'll come in. It's time. That means that they're gone. So he made up six places by being on softs, but then after he pitted, he dropped down to 11th place, but he had hards, so maybe he could go longer during the race. Another P2 finish for my boy, Lando Norris. Back-to-back P2 finishes is definitely not what I was expecting based on how the beginning of the season started, but I can be one of the first people to say boy am i glad that they have turned it around this season with those upgrades because everyone back at the factory y'all are legends for what you have produced for those upgrades on those cars like everyone on the grid 
I mean, even myself is questioning how they've managed to gain so much pace in that car. But I honestly think it's data from last year and the beginning of this year because they didn't have a great car last year either. And they knew starting that this year they weren't going to have a great car. So they've just been waiting and waiting to get those upgrades on. But it makes me excited for next year, honestly. But it's also Lando's first time finishing back-to-back podiums in his career. So also another milestone for him. And I'm so happy that McLaren has finally given Lando the car that he needs so that he can finish where he deserves to be. Because he is definitely a driver that should be finishing up on the podium consecutively race to race and he should be fighting for that world championship title but mclaren has failed to give that man the car that he needs in order to do so but now that they're starting to get that car to where lando needs it to be we're seeing what lando can do with it and even oscar because he also had a decent finish in p5 even though he dropped a place from p4 he's definitely a force to be reckoned with considering he's only a rookie and he's not that far off of Lando. Like Alpine definitely fumbled the bag with him. You can see it considering they've had two DNFs in a row, but although today was not their fault, but they fumbled the bag. And I just think of the Netflix clip from Drive to Survive where they're like, haha, McLaren, next year, blah, blah, blah. And I really feel like saying to Otmar, like, look at you now, buddy. You fumbled the bag, but anyways, will we see a win sometime this season for Lando? I'm hopeful. I know he has said that the only way he will win is if Max retires or something happens to him during the race, and he says that every time. But speaking of Lando, he was getting very upset during the race when drivers in front of him were being shown blue flags and they were not moving out of the way, which is what they are supposed to do according to FIA rules. For example, Yuki was shown blue flags, I believe 15 times, and his race engineer told him at least three times that he needed to move out of the way, and he did not move out of the way for Lando which caused the gap between him and Checo to close to three or four seconds instead of like the seven or eight seconds that it was there. So cars just need to let other cars through when they're shown blue flags. And Danny, shout out to Danny boy, because he let Lando through right away. And I was watching Lando's driver cam and he gave Danny a little wave, like a little thank you. So shout out to Danny. Now, it seemed to me like all of the boys were a little bit spicy this weekend. Lando in particular was definitely channeling his sassy Scorpio side, but it is what it is. I can't be the only person who noticed his little, they're not racing for anything comment. To me, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, oh, you had a tractor at the start of the season. Like, don't be complaining too much about backmarkers on track, but kind of also do slightly understand where he's coming from, but it just seems like everyone was a little extra spicy this weekend. I love how the commentators were quick to call Lando out, like, bro, you finished 17th in this race, this race, this race, and this race, just this season. They had the read receipts ready for him. I totally get it, though. Like, he was fighting for his life and, like, to get P2, and all of a sudden, you're stuck behind, like, people going very, very slow. 
uh, and allowing Checo to catch up. So, and also like the, a lot of the drivers have mentioned it before. Like when you're driving it like that quickly, that fast, like your brain is just in a different place. And so you sometimes say things not the way you intended. They just kind of come out. And especially when you like literally just someone's not letting you by and you know, like by the rules, they're supposed to be letting you by. That can definitely be a little bit frustrating because I mean, even though, yeah, he was in like P17 and he was kind of in Yuki's place before. I think the reason he was frustrated is because he was letting people by when he was in that position and he wasn't getting it back, you know, when he was, when it was flip flopped. So I think that's why the frustration came out a little bit on, on the radio. I do really need to question his race engineer for, like, not telling him point blank to, like, move out the way. Because normally, like, after a period of time, your race engineer would come on and be like, hey, man, you gotta move. You've gotta let them by. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't come on sooner. I just feel like there may have been some miscommunication. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, his race engineer did tell him at least three times over the radio to move out of the way, but he just didn't, and I wonder if that's something to do with the fact that AlphaTauri is Red Bull's sister and junior team, and if they were trying to help Checo gain on Lando, that's kind of my feeling and philosophy. I mean, I could be wrong, but I agree with KC, like, I totally understand where Lando's frustration is coming from because when you're fighting for your life to get on a podium after not being there all season and that's what Lando wants more than anything right now and you have a really rapid Red Bull behind you and there's dirty air in front of you and you can't get to clean air, I understand why he's frustrated. And every other car that was a backmarker got out of Lando's way. Like, Logan Sargent, the Haases, they all let him through. So, it was just Yuki being being a little being a little annoying to Lando. Actually, on that, uh, I don't know what broadcast everyone watches, but I typically watch the F1 TV one. They were talking about how back in like the good old days, the Ferrari-powered teams would actually do just that. And that if they were a backmarker and they knew a non-Ferrari-powered car was... Uh, trying to just get by them, they would perhaps hold off a little more than they should to give the, the mother the mothership uh, a better chance at, you know, getting, getting a better position in the race. But I think something came along where, like, that's not really allowed anymore. And I, I think there is some kind of, like, regulation where if you ignore a blue flag, like, something happens. Not entirely sure. But that's definitely happened in the past, for sure. So I don't know if Red Bull secretly is continuing the tradition but yeah it was just crazy yeah if you go back and watch old races you can see it they there have were definitely moments where a ferrari power team definitely screwed up somebody else's entire race just because i would as the red bull girl would really hope that they're not being as silly as to have alpha Tauri kind of do that on the side because I feel like that's going to bite them in the ass. I mean, everybody already kind of doesn't like them. So why add more fuel to the fire? But I'm not the one in charge. They are going to do what they're going to do. I just would personally not, because that feels real risky. I am going to play devil's advocate and say, would we really put it past Christian, though, to hold a secret meeting and be like, listen, (laughs) Checo, we need him. 
third on a podium something. Do what you gotta do. We all know that it's not even Christian Horner calling that meeting. It is absolutely Helmut Marco running that circus and calling the shots. He, I, I can picture it now, think Italian mafia style. That man is absolutely calling shots. Is it because Lando still refuses to sign for them? Do we think they're taking it out on him because he doesn't want to leave McLaren? Which I don't blame him for not wanting to leave McLaren, but is it like a vendetta against him at this point? Because they just keep wanting him and he's like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm chilling where I'm at. Like, y'all can back off. But I, I honestly would not put that past like Red Bull to be like, F you, Lando, you're not going to come race for us. We're going to screw you over, dude. Like, <laughs> But speaking of Red Bull, Checo had a great race today, starting from P9 and making up six places during the race to finish P3 and finish on the podium. Not a bad job for him, but I honestly was expecting it just because he does seem to race better than he qualifies. And I'm just hoping that this can get him back into his momentum of finishing on the podium and kind of challenging Max and seeing what he can do. I mean, there's honestly nothing at this point that anyone can do to have Max not win the title. But I'm, I've missed Checo on the podium, to be honest. I, I've missed my Minister of Defense and the King of the Street Circuits on the podium, but I was happy he ended up there today. But for my other boys that I love, Today was not the day for my guys down at Williams, but this track is not very well suited to their car because of the downforce package that they have on their car. And I always love to see them near the points or in the points, but it just was not on the cards for them, unfortunately, this weekend. Alex was close, finishing in P11, but my Logie Bear was still far away, and I just... I just still want to see him finish in the points at least once this season. I think it'll give him a huge confidence boost. And if Alex can do it in the same car, I think Logie has the potential if something doesn't go wrong or he doesn't drive off the track. But another, I don't know if it's a disappointing result or just like an iffy or okay result, but Mercedes... They, what happened with Lewis starting on pole position and just not being able to finish on the podium? I mean, he still managed to finish in the top five, finishing P4, which isn't bad considering they're one of the top teams right now and they're still beating out the Ferraris and the Astons right now. But I I just feel for Lewis, man, like... I wanted to see him up there after having that pole position and having the high of that pole position and just seeing what he could do. And George also lucked out. He finished in the top 10 as well. And he also moved up a place in the final order due to Charles's five-second time penalty. So both cars did manage to finish in the points for them. But disappointed with Lewis and how he finished. But overall, I felt it was definitely... An interesting race to watch, to say the least. I don't know if interest. I I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say exciting, but it was interesting because things definitely happened. But 
I think Silverstone was more of an exciting race. It seems like whenever Nico Rosberg does the post-race interviews, Lewis is never on the podium. So I, I don't know if he's just like avoiding him or, or what, but also I believe Nico did take a selfie in front of Lewis's garage before this race, and he took a selfie in front of Max the previous day, and we, we, knew, we saw what happened there. So the Nico curse is alive and well, and Lewis might also just be avoiding him. <laughs> I have to agree with Casey. I think the Nico curse is definitely alive and well. I, as Megan said, it was an interesting race. But for me with Mercedes, I just was a little underwhelmed by them. I don't know what's really going on. But the fact that, like, I get to say that I heard the words a McLaren had more pace than Mercedes just feels a little wrong as a girl who watched the Mercedes domination era for so damn long. I'm just a little confused as to what's going on. But as we've said time and time again, Ferrari just always makes questionable strategy calls. They, I think, are the undefeated kings of questionable strategy. They started Carlos on softs, but they kept him behind Charles on hards. Like, it just doesn't make sense. For me, this race was really a true test for McLaren because it was going to really show us what kind of gains their upgrades brought them especially since it was a high temperature track and there were hardly any high speed corners that their car really thrives in the fact that Oscar and Lando were as high as they were and Lando was even on a podium is just a massive testament to the team as a whole but in the end I cannot be the only person who was absolutely gutted watching that double dnf for alpine because it wasn't even their own fault it wasn't a mechanical issue it just was bad luck honestly it really just kind of broke my heart because i feel like as a team they've had this really run of crappy luck recently and i really want to see things start turning around for them it does seem like they're actually having a new CEO of the team. I've seen some stuff on social media that's saying that Laurent Rossi is staying with the team, but in a slightly different role. So I'm excited to see if with all of these changes within the team, if they get this new fire going. But it just seems like they have some really questionable luck right now. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that they can definitely have some better luck just because I I was so, like Amy said, just so gutted and felt so bad for the two of them while watching the race because it legitimately was not their fault. Like, there was nothing they could do. Pierre even went on the outside to try and avoid Joe. But ultimately, it just was heartbreaking and there's nothing they could do. But in terms of a more positive result and how things have turned out for the race i personally did not make predictions for this weekend but i am very 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 happy about a p2 finish for my guy and i am hopeful one day he and mclaren can step on that p1 podium and just take a win for all the hard work they've put in over these last couple of months and finally just get McLaren back to where they used to be during the Prost and Senna days and even when Lewis was driving for them. 
I just, I just want to see some. I know we say this all the time, and I can't discredit Red Bull and Max because it's just incredible, honestly, what he's been doing and what Red Bull has been doing, and it's I, I like I said, I can't discredit it. It's amazing to win twelve races in a row. Like Max has not lost a race since Miami, which was the beginning of May, and it's now almost August. But I, I am over them winning TBH because I just want it to be a little bit more exciting and see a little bit of a change up on the podium. And I don't know. Will we see it this season after summer break? Who knows? I'm hoping. But I know nothing is going to change Max winning the championship at this point because he can run away with it finishing second every single race. But I, I would like to see... A battle for at least second or third place make it a little bit more interesting for those places at this point like because i don't think anyone's running away with those just yet so i'm curious to see what can happen for those two positions well my pendulum may have failed me this week i really am loving the podium that we did get this weekend and now i know everybody's really sick of max winning but until we see other cars really have a similar race pace, I just don't really see there being a challenge anytime soon. Well, my pendulum may have got some people correct. It got a whole lot of things wrong. I, for one, am somebody who will never get over how damn good the Red Bull pit crew is. I don't know what secret sauce they've got, but they found it and it's working. Mercedes could probably use to take a little bit of a page from Red Bull's book get their pit stops down a little bit better, try to figure out how to improve that lack of race pace we seem to be seeing from them recently. But it's just been an interesting season so far and a very interesting weekend. As I said previously, I think we can officially say that Fernando Alonso has jinxed himself by alluding to being on podiums moving forward since his last missed podium. He kind of went from having a really decent gap with his own teammate to their pace just going poof. I don't know if they've run out of pixie dust or what, but it's just not there right now. This weekend, I think we finally saw Checo back to being racy minister of defense Checo, which I for one was quite happy to see. I, for one, am someone who loves to see Red Bull smash records and even see Max acknowledge the fact that his car is a literal rocket ship. But for me, I think the one downside of this whole weekend is that Logan Sargent DNF. I really, really want to see him do well, but it just seems like there is issue after issue after issue for him. I don't know if it's an issue within Williams or if it's just a Logan problem. But I, for one, really would love to see him do well. It just doesn't seem to be happening quite yet. I also didn't make any predictions because we've been over this. I make predictions and they go horribly wrong. But Aston Martin was doing really great at the beginning of the season. And now it seems they've taken a step back. Like, Fernando was up there. He was up there. He was trying to get his 33rd win podium for first place and it just has not happened and it hasn't been happening recently he hasn't even been up there and so i hope that they come up with an upgrade or some maybe put it back to the way it was get rid of the upgrade that they have so that he can compete again 
I know when Fernando was asked about kind of like what happened or what has been happening, he said that the new tire regulations and everything new with the tires has kind of caused them and Ferrari to go backwards. Or this is what he believes. Or Ferrari and Red Bull to go backwards. That's kind of what he believes. And McLaren to go forwards. But I don't know if that's true or if that's just him trying to, like, I don't know, figure out or come up with an explanation as to what's going wrong. But I don't know. I think Casey can probably do a better job explaining what he said. So it's actually Aston Martin and Red Bull. Those are the two teams. It's because of the way they have their car set up. So there's cars that are more front limited and there's cars that are more rear limited. And the type of tire kind of can favor one setup over the other. And since it must not favor whatever kind of setup that Aston Martin and Red Bull have, and since they share it, it, you know, both kind of brings them down. I think it's just more obvious with the Aston Martin because it's not an actual rocket ship. So we're able to see it kind of fall down a little bit. But I mean, even in qualifying, you know, it's been a lot closer with between Red Bull and like everyone else in the past couple races in terms of qualifying pace and everything. So maybe there is some truth to that. But I'm also hoping with Aston Martin that maybe the lack of upgrades and everything is just that because they're using their wind tunnel time to focus on next year's car for like 2024. Because maybe they're like, okay, it's a lost clause, you know, Max already won, Red Bull already won, let's Let's work on next year to see if then we can bring it to them. But, I mean, who knows? <laughs> we still have a lot more races to go, and I don't know if we have any like major upgrades planned, but they could be bringing some upgrades either before, like, next week in Spa or, you know, after the summer break. I, for one, am somebody who hates that mentality that teams kind of get when they're Season isn't looking like they're going to win, so they go, oh, we're just going to focus on next year's car. I just kind of always am like, but why? Like, why are you going to just throw your hands up? Keep freaking fighting. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just strong-headed as hell. And that's what I would do. I wouldn't quit, but I always kind of just raise an eyebrow when I hear teams being like, well, the season's not going our way, so we're going to focus on next year. I will say last year, Haas did say we give up. And honestly, for the first part of the season, they've been doing great. So maybe it'll work out. But another way to shake things up is Danny's first race back. Alphatari could be back in the mix, getting up higher because he finished 13th. So he has no points. But he was involved in that incident where it shot him back to the back of the grid at like P18. And he literally was barely above Logan at one point. So maybe that'll help. And honestly, is there a mercy rule or can we create a rule just to challenge Max? Because he is so far ahead. He's able to pit, come out of the pits and still be like three to five seconds ahead of everyone else. He finished and crossed the line 33 seconds before Lando. And that's just wild. It's wild. It's why Red Bull now has the 12th straight race win, meaning that they are officially in the records book. They passed McLaren. But at this point, I'm pretty sure the F1's national anthem officially is the Austrian and Dutch anthems for Max and Red Bull. I don't think anyone else is going to fight it at this point. And after hearing about Charles, he had no water the whole race and it was a hot one. So Ferrari needs to step it up with their strategy and at least getting him some water or making sure it's hooked up right or something. 
yeah, Ferrari must have heard Charles talking about how he drinks Red Bull. And we're like, no drinks for you this race. But jokes aside, I can't believe that they, they wouldn't have that fix, especially at a race that's this like warm and hot. Because I can't even imagine two hours, like no drinks. Like that's definitely he could have passed out. Like that, those are the kind of like environment where you could pass out. And that's not a good thing when you're driving a car that quickly. So hopefully they can figure that out. But poor Charles, he just, he had a horrible race and most of it wasn't even his fault. Maybe just like the pit speeding, but sometimes it's just hard to watch. But on a happier note, I can never go wrong with predicting a max win this season because it seems like that seems to be what happens. But honestly, I kind of forgot Max was even racing. They didn't really show him on the broadcast until he boxed, like, right at the end for, like, the last time where he got his fastest lap and everything. And he even mentioned, you know, it was lovely to drive. It was great. I was having a great time. So he was truly having just, like, a lovely Sunday drive. So good for him, you know. He was having a great time. And it was a result for the team at the same time. The rest of the podium is always a mixed bag, so those predictions can, you know, go here or there. But unfortunately, my Ferrari prediction of them, you know, not messing, of, of them messing up the strategy, of course, came true. And the wish for both Alpines to just, just finish the race, th- those, those hopes were dashed right in turn one. But the race was kind of fun to watch because of all of, like, the battles where Checo was trying to, like, fight everyone through the grid. And they weren't just letting him by. They were making him work for his position. Fernando, Carlos, and and even Oscar, you know, they were basically touching. Like, the cars almost touched going around side by side. But another driver that had a great race and I personally thought deserved driver of the day was George Russell. Man came from P18 all the way up to P6, and that was pretty impressive on a circuit that's not the easiest to overtake on. And you should get some, you know, props for actually having a strategy that seems to work for you, because obviously not everyone can even do that. So good on George for getting, you know, all the way up to P6 and especially with Charles' penalty that gave him kind of an extra place. But he was passing Ferraris at the end. Like, I don't know what was going on. It seems like as soon as like the end of the race, the Mercedes picked up some pace a bit. And of course, the uh, broadcast missed the iconic Lando champagne spray. And when you think they'd have learned after last week. Luckily, uh, we did get video from multiple angles, of course, showing the champagne spray, but also him knocking over the trophy again. And unfortunately, this time it was a porcelain trophy, so of course, as it knocked over, it broke. But it was only fitting that the McLaren driver knocked over the trophy that Red Bull kind of won and what Red Bull broke McLaren's previous record with. So, only fitting. Later on in the media bullpen when they were doing post-race interviews, Lando was having like a good repertoire with one of the reporters and they're like, oh yeah, it's Max's fault that Lando broke the trophy. And Lando was like, yeah, it's Max's fault that I broke it. And somehow, some way, Max ended up right next to him and the reporter was like, so Lando said that it's your fault he broke your trophy. And Max goes, what? You said it's my fault. And he's like, okay, well, I heard that Zach actually has some extra money in y'all's budget for personnel. So why don't y'all use some of that extra money in your budget and buy me a new trophy? And Lando goes, uh, you know what? You know what? Never mind. One of my favorite things from this weekend was definitely the Instagram comments post-race with all of the pictures that got circulated of the broken Red Bull trophy. 
um, of saying, you break our record, we break your trophy. McLaren admin even posted a comment that was Lando's iconic quote of, we've got damage. Uh, Pirelli pulled a Lando line out and commented, it's broken. It was just perfect. Everybody was pulling out all the fantastic Lando quotes, just all the funny little meme-worthy content. Lando's sorry, not sorry. It's just fantastic. And our final fun fact for the episode before I move on to our pre-outro is when Max could potentially win his title, which, according to what I've been hearing online, is as early as Singapore in basically four weeks, or four races, whatever you want to call it. But that feels a little early, if I'm being real honest, and I'm even saying that as the Red Bull girl. I'm... And actually tell you the last time I think we've had somebody win a title that early in a season. Yeah, I don't know when the last time that happened, but it is insanely impressive that it's already a thing that's coming soon that Max can win his third world title. But we are going to head into the pre-outro for this episode which is a moment of the weekend. And of course, we had to go with Lando breaking Max's trophy on the podium because that's all everyone is talking about right now. And the fact that that trophy took six months to make and is handmade and is approximately 40,000 euros. Oh, Lando. But in Lando's defense, as Lando's girl... Max should have, he knows that that's Lando's podium celebration. So he should have been more careful with that trophy, especially after last weekend in Silverstone, after Lando knocking his trophy over again. But uh, definitely in a funny, interesting moment of the weekend that concludes a very good and interesting weekend. I love these recap episodes, and I am so happy we got to see such an exciting race this weekend. Max and Red Bull breaking records, Danny actually doing well with Alpha Tori, Lando's back-to-back podiums, which I would like to say made my McLaren prediction for P2 spot on, and so my crystal ball is working at least one-third of the time right now. What did you guys think of this weekend's race? Let us know on our socials where you can find us everywhere at Paddock Girls Podcast, except on Twitter. There we are Paddock Girls Pod. Thanks for joining us in the paddock. We'll see you at the next race. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig.